The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Your social worker with a microphone is here this morning. Thanks for joining us this morning with Catherine Zox. I'm Catherine Zox with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. And you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm, like everybody, probably busy, busy, but I'm here. I always hear the How about you? Well, I hear the hesitation in your voice, my dear. You always, every time I ask you, and that's sort of our little thing that we go through every show, how are you this morning, Lauren? And I hear Lauren go, I'm fine. <laughs> no, and, some days I'm more fine than others. Yeah, well, but it's what's in between the I'm and the fine that I want to know about. Well, some days it's fine and some days it's fine, you know. There's a difference, right? <laughs> yeah, there is a difference, but now you're just begging the question because I want to know. I mean, I I hear, like, you're doing so many different kinds of things. As a matter of fact, last week you weren't with us, and I missed right. you. We were flying. To, I was in, on the plane to Albuquerque. Can I ask what you were doing in Albuquerque? <laughs> don't you don't have to answer it. I was just speaking at a Navo conference that night, at a Navo meeting that night, which is a National Association of Women Business Owners. It's to- I can talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, tell. Okay, Albuquerque, you are on your way because I know you are like the. You know, I know young women who are listening are listeners who are like like right where you are. You, you know, you have a career. You're doing all this stuff. You're on the radio, you're writing, you're doing, you're giving lectures, and you also have a three-year-old. So exactly. That, but I do think it's the nature of women in the 21st century, don't you? I absolutely do, but how you handle it is different, and everybody handles it differently. So well, I do think there's days that are, but like you're on it and you're feeling like I can tackle the world, and there's days that you're like, not one more thing, my plate is full, you know? Yeah, what happens when one more thing happens? Let's just say that things that you don't have control over. That's what, that's, you know, that's what I have a lot of younger women in their 40s, late 30s, juggling at least one kid, maybe two. Like, you've got it planned out. You're going to do, you're going to be in Albuquerque. You're going to give a lecture for the National Association of Women Business Owners. Women business owners. Uh, you're going to do a radio show. You're going to do, and a lot of you're writing books, all those kinds of things. And then you have the three-year-old. The question really becomes, and I've been talking to a lot of women about this, what about when that one extra thing happens that you don't have control over and you feel like you have just reached the end of your rope? Well, How that's where handle? I am today. That's exactly oh, that's where right I am today. The yeah, so, but there is a place of it will only be, you can't, like, I've learned that perfection, there's no such thing as perfection. There's just, no, it'll be what it'll be, you know? So when I come to that point of I'm done, all done, then I realize that I'm at the point that perfection is not a part of the, that's no longer a part of the plan. <laughs> you know, you can do the best you can do. All right, so give me an example, because that's kind of like general. Let's say you are, you've got, a, well, you, you, you get sick. You get, you know, you, well, if you get sick, that's sort of, 
ends it. You just can't do anything about well, I that, think that's right? A, that's a big one. I think that's our body's way of saying you are done. Yeah. You're really done for now. And just take a break, you know? Yeah. And you don't have a choice. So when you don't have a choice, in a way, that's good, unless you're really, really sick. But, you know, take a break. Your body can't tolerate this stuff anymore, and you just have to rest. Exactly. And I thank goodness I'm feeling good. I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> but, there's, I mean, I spoke to a friend of mine last week. She was really sick. And she said it's just her way of taking a break because she has not been taking a break. But I think there's so many women in exactly those shoes. Did she have the swine flu? You know, I don't know what she had, but it sounded a lot like it. She was having trouble breathing, and ugh, didn't sound good. It sounded awful. So, how is she now? She sounded better. She booked an appointment with me, which you know, obviously, she wouldn't have done it if she wasn't feeling well. I don't think. But are you going to get the swine flu shot? No, definitely not. Because are you? No. Yeah, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Neither is my daughter. What? I'm not getting it. Neither is my daughter. And I'm going to ask you why, and I just, but before I ask you why you're not going to get it, I, I don't think I'm in the category of people, you know, the at risk, um, but because I've had all these experts on the show, doctors, I had the, I don't know if it was this show or my other show or you heard it, but the head of the National Association of Chain Pharmacies, big position, and she advocated getting, getting the, it. Getting it. So yeah, a lot of people are. Why aren't you getting it for you, and why aren't you getting it for your daughter, who's three? Well, first of all, I think that I, I'm, not, I just, I'm not a big advocate of vaccines, me personally. So I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't get the flu shot. And plus, I know people that have gotten the flu shot, and they still get the flu. So I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's a risk I'm willing to take for me personally. For my daughter, I, I just feel like, you know, if she puts, she's potentially at risk of getting it. She's in the school with lots of other kids. But I think it's the same thing, that if she gets it, we'll work through it. We will, you know, do our best. Not every, it's not that dangerous. Yes, children are dying from it, but it's also, there's a huge number of kids that get it, and they're fine. Tons of kids are getting it. And I think that we have to look at those numbers. I mean, I have a client who, her whole family had it. How do you feel, yeah, well, how do you feel as a parent? You know, I always, you know, I'm in a position, my kids are over 21, so they can make their own decision. I can give them advice and say what I think, and maybe each one of them will do something different. They're in their 20s. Yeah. But I always used to, when I was in your position for these kinds of decisions where it was you didn't really know, there was that whole, I am making a decision for another person when it comes, you know, to, to uh, potentially serious medical consequences. And I hope I'm making the right decision. I used to always feel, I, I mean, that from myself, it's one thing. Okay, I'm i you know, I'm the adult, and it's my own body, my own person. But that was like, oh, my God, what if I make a mistake? Well, it's not that I'm doing nothing. Let me clarify that. Um, I have some, you know, obviously some good, not obviously, I have some good friends in the all natural and family in the natural medicine world. And she's getting, you know, extra doses of D. She's getting extra doses of probiotic, which I hear are really helpful and not just fighting it, but if you do get it, will reduce the symptoms dramatically. So I do feel good about that. And I'm doing the same for myself, you know, boosting my own immune system. Yeah. So you're taking, I mean, there are alternative choices and you're associated with alternative uh, People, yeah. healers. And the, yeah, so you have other kinds of information. You're basing your decision on good information. Still, it was always like, I hope I made the right decision. I'm not getting it either. I, I mean, I just feel like um, I don't think I'm quite in the... You're definitely not in the age risk category that, at all. No. And neither like, am I. 
no, you aren't either. But it, the people in their twenties and younger people, and I guess really older people aren't. So well, they're saying women that are pregnant and babies, you know, kids. Yeah, and I. This is what I think, and I want to make sure everybody knows. Neither Lauren or I are physicians. We're just chatting, too late. <laughs> so don't take our advice, right? Exactly. But I think I, it's I, important I do, to do your own homework. Yeah, do your own homework. But I do wonder. I think about this. Like, do you think? And I hope this isn't true. You know, I think about pregnant getting a vaccine. Uh, are they going to come, you know, five years from now or even sooner and that vaccine. vaccine had some kind of a negative impact on the fetus? I And I just think that we developed it so fast that really, I know there's a lot of pharmaceutical research companies out there that they would be like, this is way too fast. They couldn't do a study that quickly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, I think it's risky either way. Yeah, it is. Well, you just have to take your chances. Well, here's something. Okay. Our guest this morning, this is very very cool. Uh, his name is Tom Jacobs. He's coming. He'll be here in a few minutes. But anyway, he writes for this online magazine. Um, do you read a lot of the online magazines? Now, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I try to be aware of what's going on, and I'm on a number of mailing lists that I do get, you know, the emails it sends. But I can't. It's impossible to read them all, but I do try to stay up on a couple. Well, stay up on this one after you speak to Tom. Uh, when, once we get him on the show, I think you'll really you'll go to this magazine. Uh, before you know, I got him booked him on the show. I wasn't aware that it existed. Miller McCune. It's a research magazine. Uh, Miller Dash M C C U N E. It's a not for profit internet magazine. Okay. okay. All right. And he's a journalist. He's written for other, ma- I mean, he's written for newspapers, you know, uh, the Los Angeles Daily News, lots of other, what do you, what would you call them, regular magazines or the traditional ma- uh, newspapers. Yep. So now he's writing for this online magazine. The topic is that, uh, I don't know, I should keep it a secret, I guess. No, I'm going to tell you the topic. <laughs> the topic is um, about... This is the, the research has shown, they've done some research, that men, peckish men, prefer heavier women. What's a peckish man? What do you think a peckish man is? I have no <laughs> idea. I've never heard that word used that way. Well, a peckish man. So I would think I'm making it up. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. What does it mean? What do you think a peck? Who do you think a peckish man is? We're going to have to ask him what a pe- peckish man I don't know. I'm really. I have to go to my Wikipedia and check it out. Yeah. Well. Okay. Peckish men prefer more Rubenesque females who are heavier, taller, and older. This is the new study. Peckish males. Well, you know what a Rubenesque female is. <laughs> that I have. Yes, I have a better sense of that. All right. A Rubenesque. You know, uh, Rubens, the painter, the who painted all those kind of. Very, what they were considered very sexy in his time. Um, you know, sort of voluptuous, would that yes, be right? Voluptuous and round, and they were all naked and like these young nymphs. I guess today they would be considered overweight, maybe even obese. Definitely. I don't. Know, but, I agree with that. Uh, so you know, our 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 uh, what we think is beautiful changes over time. So, but anyway, so anyway, peckish males prefer Rubenesque females. 
Well, you'll have to figure out what a peckish I'm male gonna, is. I'm, I'm going to be looking it up on the break. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. You're cheating. But anyways, yeah, so um, that's who's going to be on the show, and that's what he's going to talk about. So anyway, yeah, interesting topic. Um, and you certainly don't fall into that category. Well, I better stay away from peckish men then. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you, what's Rob? You say, well, he's, hopefully he's not a peckish man. I know. I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. Because uh, it would be kind of nice that if I could just let go and <laughs> if Barry were a peckish man, but I don't think he is either. Anyway, we're going to have to wait and find out. We're not going to tell anybody. So uh, we got about a minute left, so we'll just leave it at that, right? All right. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. You're so. Uh, I don't think we have him yet. Anyway, you're listening to Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller Blake, who is with us, fortunately. Um, you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. And really, thanks for joining us this morning. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty says just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired very fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox, and I am your social worker with a microphone with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, and now our guest, Tom Jacobs. Uh, Tom is a veteran journalist, 
for, he's had more than 20 years experience. He's written for many daily newspapers, including the Los Angeles Daily News, Santa Barbara News Press, and many others. And now he writes for this, and I'm saying new, online internet magazine, Miller McCune, which is a research magazine, uh, and they're, uh, described as turning research into solutions. And he's going to be talking about one of the articles that he wrote, Peckish Males Prefer More Rubenesque Females. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Tom. Thank you, Catherine. Nice to be here. Let me, let me just say, Miller McCune, the magazine I work for, actually does come out in uh, old-fashioned paper form uh, every other month. So it's not entirely a, a web-based magazine. Okay, and so how is it doing? You know, because I'm fascinated with this whole magazine thing. Like every other month, they have the paper, the hard what do they call it, hard copy. Yes, yes, yeah, and the edition. I think we put it. Are you competing with your online, or do you kind of? No, we uh, hopefully they are synergistic. Um, We hope we hope, and we we are a new organization. We're just a bit under two years old, but uh, the idea is uh, the idea is that. uh, people will look at the website, uh, find our articles interesting enough to want to subscribe to the magazine. And it does seem to be starting to happen, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I don't know, is anyone else doing that? Because it always seems like it's either or. You buy the hard copy or you go online, but you're doing both. We are doing both. Um, it's. We'll see if it works. I mean, we're a nonprofit organization, so that's that's a help. We're not, we don't have anybody, um, we don't have stockholders who are clamoring for instant results, which is good. Yeah, that's but, great. But everyone is experimenting in journalism today. There is no question about it. You mentioned I spent 20 years in newspapers, and we know what's happening with that industry. So um, um, we're doing, we're, we're seeing what works. Yeah, and, I was going to ask you, what's your prediction? I'm very curious about that because I know all these, I mean, several magazines that I, women's magazines, I think Lauren, Pink Magazine, that's no longer, and I don't know if Tom, you're, no, that one I guess was about three years old. It was, you know, focused on women and now it's just online, I think. I don't think you can buy it in the newsstand. Yeah, uh, yeah, a number have either folded or cut back. Um, We're hoping we have an interesting enough niche we're hoping we found something that will um, appeal to people, and uh, all the signs so far are good. We just just hit a hundred thousand unique visitors in the last month, which is apparently a huge milestone for online publications. So um, people are starting to find us. I'm happy to say. I mean, our founder Sarah Miller McCune um, co-founded. Sage Publications, which is one of the biggest academic research publishers in the world. Huge. Even I remember that from yeah. college. Oh, they're, and they're, still, yeah. they're still very big. Yeah. But she's had this idea, apparently, for many years that she, want, uh, she wanted some of the information in these journals that, isn't, that wasn't getting uh, beyond the walls of academia uh, out there to a bigger audience. Uh, she, thought, uh, she thought there were interesting solutions, or at least potential solutions, to societal problems in some of this research and was frustrated that it wasn't getting to actual policymakers, uh, let alone other journalists. So uh, that was her idea in starting this magazine. It's a, uh, it's a good idea, and so far it's proven true. We're, we are getting a lot of information out there that otherwise um, would probably be stuck in these journals and only be seen by other researchers. 
So, so uh, Tom, you are serving us, you, Sarah, the magazine, the masses, so we get the same kind of information. I'm not going to say watered down, but in a form that we can understand. It's exactly, not for exactly. academia and scientists. That's great, and that's what it looked like when I went online. It, give us the website, because anybody who's listening may want to just go right to the website while we're talking. Sure. It's www.miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, hyphen, McCune, M-C-C-U-N-E, Dot com. And please, yes, check us out. Uh, I, I'm quite proud of how we take some of these studies that are written in um, jargon, shall we say, and uh, turn them. <laughs> you can in, say that. <laughs> and turn them and turn them into readable English. That's that's part of my job. I'm a translator. That's terrific. That's great. All right, now translate for us. What is peckish? <laughs> peckish males uh, prefer more Rubenesque females who are heavier, taller, and older. Oh, ladies, this sounds fabulous, which is a new study. We love this study. <laughs> it's, it's encouraging. It's true. Um, well, as, as if you look through the site, and you probably noticed, I'm particularly drawn to psychology studies myself, um, especially ones that reveal our unconscious motivations for choices we make. And this study certainly falls into that category. Um, it was conducted by a psychologist named Terry Pettijohn. He's at Coastal Carolina University, which is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And for some years now, he's been looking at the way feelings of security or insecurity influence our preferences. People who have feel secure are obviously more willing to take risks in their lives than people who feel insecure. Um, so we make bad choices when or we tend to make maybe not so good choices if we're feeling insecure. Indeed, it's certainly different choices anyway, choices that would uh, try to shore up our security. And this is often done on an unconscious level, which is of course where this this study comes in. Um, a uh, now in 2005, a different group of researchers, I believe from Europe, um, found that. Um, well, you mentioned in the intro of the ideas of beauty uh, vary over time. They also vary a lot from culture to culture. And this 2005 uh, research found that, um, impo- in that in impoverished parts of the world, especially in, say, South, uh, South Asia, South Pacific, or uh, places where resources tend to be scarce, uh, larger women are considered more desirable than they are in wealthy Western nations like our own, where food is widely available. So uh, Pettijohn and his colleagues thought that was really interesting, and they wanted to see if that kind of variation that we see from one culture to another would also apply uh, on an individual basis. So they set up uh, this simple but uh, pretty ingenious experiment, I think. Uh, They approached uh, students who were either, uh, they didn't have to leave the campus for this, uh, always, always a plus for researchers. They approached students who were either entering or leaving the campus dining hall, around the dinner hour. Uh, 300, I think it was 330 students in total, half men, half women. Uh, they asked them how hungry they were at that moment, and then they asked them specific questions about their to describe their ideal romantic partner, uh, both what the person would look like and what his, per- his or her personality would be. So there was a questionnaire, I mean, they, what would the, your ideal lover's Height be, weight, age, etc. But also, would they be strong, mature, independent, uh, or warm, kind, agreeable? You were given various choices. So the men 
who were heading into dinner, the hungry men, mm-hmm. described their perfect partner on average as older, taller, and heavier than those who had just eaten. Now, the differences weren't gigantic. Uh, they described someone about one year older and about one inch taller, but they were significant. Uh, and uh, They were statistically significant. Exactly, yes. Um, now, for women, it was a different story. Their description of their ideal mate uh, physically was pretty much the same, whether they'd eaten or not. Eaten or not. Uh, but the hungry women were more likely to prefer, say they preferred a man with a more mature personality. They, they went for traits like independence and competence. Um, so, Tom, how does that tra- – uh, is it okay to interrupt now? Or oh, yeah, sure, get, absolutely. At this, yeah, so how does that translate into are we, when you're – if you feel hungry or you feel needy or you feel uh, – I'm going to say less than, that's probably not the case, then you want someone who's bigger and can protect you, and uh, is that the – well, actually, I mean, obviously we're theorizing now. If that, those are the raw facts. But the answer, the, the short answer of your question, though, is yes. At least that's what the uh, psychologists here concluded. I mean, um, psychologists, I'm, as I'm sure you've discussed on the show, I mean, psychologists are increasingly uh, aware that our feelings and preferences are not as static as, as we like to think they are. Um, we are strongly influenced by cues in our environment, um, this is, um, well, hunger is, hunger is a cue. Hunger is a very strong cue. I mean, cue. I mean, coming from your own body, you know, it implies scarcity. So uh, if we're hungry, we're attracted to someone who appears to be able to take care of us. And so for men, that's someone who is physically larger, taller, and stronger. For women, it's someone who's more emotionally mature. And I, and I, as I said in this, my, my write-up, I have to concede the women's response seems considerably more sophisticated. In <laughs> well, women are more sophisticated. We don't need, re- do we, Lauren, research studies for that? <laughs> Definitely I think, not. I think women are more emotionally, for whatever reason, maybe it's just for the preservation of the species, but a little more emotionally sophisticated than males. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think some of the research may... Prove me right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what does that say for us? Okay, so we've done this study, and, and, uh, and actually, what does it say? I mean, women now, most women I don't, are overweight. What, 50% of the women in this country are overweight, or 20% are obese. Uh, what is, so how does this, what does this say in terms of this study? Well, um, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, this is basically, um, uh, evolutionary psychology. It's an example of evolutionary psychology. At least the um, interpretation of it is. And I'm uh, I'm assuming you've discussed uh, some of the concepts of evolutionary psychology on this show. It's uh, somewhat controversial, um, but I think is an interesting starting point, certainly for discussion. Um, evolution evolutionary psychologists um, argue that whether we realize it or not, our basic instinct like that of every other species, is to procreate, to pass our genes along to the next generation. Uh, and that's the and, theory. And that's really all we're here for, basically. I have a yeah. boyfriend who says that to me all the time. We get caught up in all our more sophisticated stuff that we think we need to do or accomplish. But basically, yeah, that's what we're here for, to procreate, right? That's it. 
Well, that's certainly uh, you know that certainly is a theory, and it and it makes sense on an instinctual level. I mean, for right, every we're going to leave it at that because we're going to take a break. But oh, sure. we will be back in a minute. Don't go away, Tom Jacobs. Miller McCune Research Magazine online, also in hard copy, every other month. And we're talking about, uh, uh, well, peckish men like Rubenesque women, hungry men love larger ladies. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. We'll be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you living with passion, purpose, and play? Are you ready to overcome your fears, claim your power and purpose to make your mark on the world, but don't know where to start? Tuck Self, the Rebel Bell, will inspire and empower you to squeeze as much juice and joy out of life as possible. You'll find your passion, live on purpose, and do it all with a boatload of play. Join this amazing voice for Tuck Talk every Monday at 6 p.m. in the East and 3 p.m. in the West on the Voice America Variety Channel. Live rebelliciously and on your terms. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back, and I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone with my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And we are talking to Tom Jacobs, a veteran journalist and uh, author of a new research study. He uh, actually writes for Miller McCune, which is a new online magazine. You can also get it in hard copy every other month. You can see it online, buy it in bookstore and uh, magazine stands, I guess. Um, it's Miller McCune Mag Research is uh, turning research into solutions. That's that's the title. I love it. We're talking about a study that Tom did. Hungry men love, or he didn't do the study, but he's writing about it. Hungry men love larger ladies. Peckish males prefer more Rubenesque females, and this is all part of the uh, body work of evolutionary 
psychology. So let's talk, and we want to continue to talk about that, right? Um, yeah, I just I just wanted to put it in that context. Yeah. That does help uh, give an explanation for this, I think. Um, evolutionary um, psychologists argue, uh, and again, it makes some intuitive sense, I think, that uh, men uh, on an unconscious level are looking for traits to signal uh, fertility in a woman and good uh, youth, uh, good health, etc. And women are looking for features that suggest a man will basically um, stick around and help raise the kid. Um, I mean, this, at least in terms of evolutionary psychology, this explains why men uh, tend to have more sexual partners than women. Because for men, their best bet for getting their genetic material on transferred onto the next generation is to spread them spread themselves around as far as can be. Well, that's what I told my girlfriend, whose husband has been having affairs for mm-hmm. years, but it didn't seem to allay her. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't make it any less hurtful. Anger. But, but you do see sort of the very uh, deep reasons for this, even if, it's, even if they're unconscious. Yeah. But for, for women, though, if, you, if you're a woman and you want your genes to survive the next generation, your best chances are you know, having a stable relationship with a man who will see to it that the children will, you know, they'll provide for the children and they'll grow up safely, etc. So men and women, again, this is, this is evolutionary theory, men and women have somewhat different um, motivations in terms of either sleeping around or, you know, or sticking with one secure partner. Well, is that, Tom, if you put it in the context like of our society, today, our society, it doesn't fit. Uh, how should I say? Because we there isn't. Let's say you have a one husband who's going to have to supposedly take care. Let's mm-hmm. say you know the breadwinner take care of two or three kids or be the primary breadwinner. Because of the way our society is set up and the nuclear family, and you know you only can get one job. You, you know you need that husband just to stay with you because there isn't enough money or time or whatever. So mm-hmm. if they're but that wasn't true thousands of years ago. You know, so we, it's sort of like we're out of sync with our biological imperatives. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Oh, absolutely, yes. Well, again, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a strong part of evolutionary psychology that, and has been criticized some, I should say, but uh, evolutionary psychologists tend to believe that our brains were wired, not hardwired, that, that's going a little too far, but still largely wired way back in our hunter-gatherer days and that some of the adaptations that were formed in that period really don't serve us now. I mean, the, the obvious um, example of that is, is uh, food, which is where we started. I mean, if you're a caveman and all winter long your source of food has dried up, uh, the idea that you want to have a lot of fatty foods while they're available so you can build up that fat and survive the winter. So, of course, we developed a taste for fatty food. I mean, it helped us survive. Well, but now we live in a culture where there's 7-Elevens on every corner, so we still have this taste for fatty food, and yet we can, we can satiate it at any time. So, of course, we're obese. You see what I'm saying? So that's, yeah, I do. That, that's, an, that's an example where we uh, are, are sort of deep brains are telling us one thing that we learned thousands of years ago. Whereas our forebrains are perhaps telling us, no, that's not that's not right. You shouldn't eat that. But so it's a bit of a battle that a lot of us uh, fight every day. Yeah, most of us, I think, yes, in, in first world countries, the United States, even Western Europe, now we're fighting those battles. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of uh, speaking of Europe, I have. Um, if you're interested, I've I've actually been doing two other studies about uh, women and weight that um, are pretty interesting. I think. All right, so tell us. Um, this is. Uh, I just wrote up a story about a study from Sweden that was published just last month. And it found that women, uh, women who are in normal weight range um, are more likely to experience a slight decline in cognitive ability after menopause compared to women who are overweight. There's been a lot of controversy about do, uh, do women going through menopause, do they pay a price in terms of mental agility? Yes. Studies have said yes, some say no. These researchers in Sweden say I, they think where they figured out why the conflict, because they found a difference that women who were overweight had um, their, their cognitive abilities did not decline. Uh, again, we're not talking a huge decline even for the normal weight women, but still, it's significantly, significantly, uh, statistically significant difference. But Tom, is the reason for that that overweight women are have more estrogen, exactly, and that estrogen right. feeds the brain, so that when you go through menopause and you have less estrogen or no estrogen, you don't have no estrogen, but you have mm-hmm. very little. Is that the reason? So they, yeah. they're that is yeah, you, you, that's exactly the reason. Estrogen is produced in fatty tissues, and after menopause, it becomes the number one. That becomes the number one producer of estrogen and getting it into the bloodstream. So, um, yes, so if you're overweight, you have more estrogen in there it's circulating post, uh, post-menopause, and that does apparently beef up your cognitive abilities. So that's, I guess, some consolation if you're slightly overweight and um, feeling, feeling bad about some anorexic woman, anorexic-looking woman. Um, you can say, well, at least my brain is working a bit more sharply. Yeah. <laughs> but what can you do about? Let's take the women who I'm curious or interested in the women who let, are, let's say, thin or of average weight. What do they do? Or is it, I mean, in order to, because there are, you know, that plasticity of the brain. Mm. There's stuff you can do with your brain so that you can substitute some of those neurons that you used before menopause. And, and you know what I'm, and you can. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not uh advocating uh, gaining weight uh, just to keep a cognitive edge. Uh, in fact, uh, the women who are overweight started out as a slightly lower cognitive level. So there is, there is, ev- there is evidence that at least premenopause, that slows you down a little bit uh, cognitively. Um, so, but yes, of course, there are... It, it, with brain, brain is like the body. You use it or lose it, basically. Um, there are there's a lot of interesting research coming out now saying that couple a couple of ways to stay sharp. One is uh, variety. Do something you've never done before. Think in new ways. Read a subject you've never read about. Go skydiving if you've never gone skydiving. Whatever. Just the brain craves variety, and the more different things you do, um, the more the more uh, Connections you make, you make new, you make new neural connections, and the brain stays sharp. Yeah, I mean that is so true. I don't know about you, Lauren, but I do that. I try to do that. Uh, 
I really try to do that every day, Tom. That works. I mean, one of the things that I would say that has not been my interest is financial, like financial stuff and lectures on finances and those kinds. And I went to a big financial lecture last night, and it was something that I don't ordinarily do or I don't want to do. That would not be my choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm in New York City. And I did it, and afterwards... I could feel my brain doing different kinds of things mm-hmm. because I did something entirely different. Um, it works. Well, that's, right. you know, I'm, I'm, and that's great. I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of us get into trouble that we fall into our ruts, you know, and they're comfortable. But it, truly, the, your, your world does shrink if you do that. I mean, you want, to keep, uh, you want to keep exploring new things. And it's not just a matter of doing the crossword puzzle or the Sudoku every day. I mean, that's fine. But that's not really enough. You've got to... No, and if you've been doing the crossword puzzle for 50 years... Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's really nothing new in terms of the process. Exactly. Do you know the uh, the Harvard psychologist Ellen Langer? Have you heard of her? No. She is a fascinating woman. She's actually... There's a a movie being made about her life where Jennifer Aniston is going to play her. That's interesting. Um, Yes, indeed. (laughs) That's a Um, different folk, Yeah. Uh, but she did a study back in the 70s, which she recently wrote uh, a book about. Called, it was called, it's called Counterclockwise, in which she took a group of elderly pe- people in their 80s, had them spend a week cloistered in, like a, in, a, in a monastery, if I remember correctly, and changed all the decor in the rooms so that everything looked like it looked in the 1950s. Uh, when they were young and healthy, and they talked about things that were in the, from the 1950s as if it was present day. They listened to music, watched movies from that era, etc. At the end of one week, they came out. Their health was improved tremendously. I mean, they were more alive. They were more vital. They were more energetic. Uh, thinking, the, the, yes, you use the term plasticity. You, your brain really can readjust, but if you can if you can get back to a to a um, state where you feel it's normal to be healthy and alive and interested and and engaged, uh, it's uh, her book is worth checking out. It's oh, it is worth. I mean, Lauren, what do you? I mean, that's amazing. I mean, think about the implication. When was that book published? When was just within this, this this past year? It's out right now. Because the implications, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, I have had a lot of experience in rehab hospitals and nursing homes. And, I mean, think about what you could do in a a nursing home or assisted living Mm -hmm. facility in terms of of bringing some of that stuff into it. And that's a great, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's got a lot of interesting implications, absolutely. Now, what about, you have a second study. Oh, yes, I was one other. Can you stay with us because we have to go to break and come back? Yeah, sure. All right, because well, we have to hear Tom's second study. Tom Jacobs, uh, Miller McCune Research Magazine, Lauren Deller Blake, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, will all be here. Don't go away. You are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are there any mistakes in your life that you've made that you want to keep? Think about that for just a second. Are there any mistakes in your life that you want to keep? Creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes, but art is knowing which ones to keep. Join internationally recognized author, speaker, and master coach M. Nora Claver for Bare Naked with Nora Claver, a celebration of life and all the inevitable mistakes we make through the course of it. Join Nora Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Joining us this morning, we're having fun this morning with Tom Jacobs, Lauren Beller Blake, my co-host, and I, and I'm your social worker with the microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Tom has been talking to us. Well, we started out talking about a study that he wrote about in Miller McCune, which is a research magazine online. You can also buy it every other month in hard copy. But that uh, peckish men like Rubenesque women, hungry men like uh, I was going to say fat women, but larger ladies. That's a better way of saying it. More and mature. More mature, more, but that's a euphemism because that's not really it. We're not talking about we're talking about heavy bulk weight, you know. Uh, but then we there are more studies uh, that we've also been discussing evolutionary and cultural psychology. But Tom, you have another study. You're like full of all this like really great information. Um, so what's is there another study that you? That well, there, was, you... there was one other I wanted to I wanted to share with you before before our time is over here. It just this is. Uh... Fun, but also uh, potentially practical. Um, so, you're say you're someone who is overweight or wants or wants to lose weight. I mean, my I, I don't know about you two, but uh, my I have a terrible sweet tooth. Are you thin or fat? I am uh, not thin. <laughs> <laughs> and you speak in euphemisms. You won't. You're not going to say I'm overweight. How most people say, well, I'm ten pounds overweight, and then usually that means they're more than ten pounds. Indeed, but, yes. Yes, I could. I could definitely lose some pounds. 
Okay. And and the reason is I have a sweet tooth. Chocolate especially is is my downfall. Your downfall. Um. So I was I was. As you can imagine, it caught my eye when I saw this study just within the last couple of weeks. This German researcher who totally admits that chocolate is his downfall also um, decided uh, to do the study to see if he could find ways to take a particularly delicious piece of chocolate made in Germany, which he describes in this study. It's very funny because academic research tends to be very dry in its writing. And he does this extremely detailed word picture he paints of how the, the, the white chocolate coating over the almonds, and it just makes you just makes your mouth water as you read this. But anyway, his, uh, his proposition was, can I get people to uh, find this less appealing? Both on a conscious and a unconscious level, because we all know that you know our unconscious drives. We may, many of us, say, well, "I don't. I really shouldn't eat that piece of chocolate," but of course we do. But um, so anyway, he uh, through a series of studies, he actually came up with two ways that worked to um, to make people less likely to eat the piece of chocolate when it's offered to them. Um, one of them is a fairly simple cognitive thing, um, where he had them imagine. They were, they were offered this chocolate and then had them imagine they turned it down. Say, you know, picture a situation where a friend offered it to you and then you say, no, uh, thank you very much, but, but no. And in that, after going through that exercise, they were much more likely to actually turn it down in real life. So the brain kind of, you had a kind of a dress rehearsal for doing the right thing. Yeah, again, this is, this is coming down to overriding that, that, that very old part of the brain, as we talked about earlier. So a dress rehearsal seemed to help. Now, the other, the other way was a little more creative, and I thought fascinating. He asked people um, to imagine creative uses for the chocolate. He said, forget it's a food. Think of what could you do with this piece of chocolate. Could you use it as a doorstop? You know, could you use it as a... <laughs> garden tool, whatever, just be crazy and think of it in some other way other than something to consume. And after going through that, again, people were much less likely to just instinctively say, yes, I'm going to eat the chocolate. So uh, there, are ways of, there are ways of tricking that, that old caveman brain, I guess. Is what so, Tom, in the second example you gave, you think about chocolate using it for something else. Does it t- if you took it one step Further, or I don't know if he did this or not, but if you thought of the chocolate to be used in some maybe really unappealing way, that would even make it less likely that you would accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just, no, he didn't do that, but that could be a really interesting follow-up, couldn't it? Yes, I mean, not simply. I can think of a lot of disgusting ways you could sort of <laughs> <laughs> think of, and then you definitely wouldn't want to eat the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so fool the brain. But anyway, it's it's it's. I'm planning, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it. I just think it would be interesting to sort of take a look at that chocolate and say, what could I, could I throw it as a football? What could I do with it? You know, what, how, think of it in some other way other than how delicious it is. So, I mean, that's so simple, but it it seems like it would, well, now you could take, let's say you didn't tell us how much weight you had to lose, but (laughs) let's just say 10 pounds. Okay. You could, and... I mean, you should do this study on yourself and see if it really works and if you can, you know, uh, see if you lose, you know, your, I don't know, if it's, let's say it is 10 pounds by following, doing either, actually both of these things, see if it works. 
yes. to reject so that you can say no to the chocolate. Mm-hmm. I am going to try it. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a third study. It, it is, yes. Yeah. Interesting. So tell us, there was one other thing, and we do have, wait, we have a few more minutes, because I was looking at the, at the website, obviously, the, the magazine, and I think there was an article, and I don't, I don't know if you can talk about this or not, but like you're actually, I don't know if you are doing that or other, there are other online magazines that are doing it, but it was on your website, engaging volunteer um Writers for the magazine, you know, instead of having you know regular magazines, hard copy, you have professional writers and editors who write for the for the newspaper or the magazine. But in this case, a whole new concept about engaging volunteer writers. Mm-hmm. I, uh, that is that is certainly happening uh, a lot. No, that is not happening with our magazine or our website. We are a professional operation. We do um, employ professional journalists and, and pay them. Um, that's it's some, that's what, what you describe as something of a sore point among those of us who make our living um, as journalists because um, we think that what we do deserves um, compensation. Um, so. And I agree. I, I, I wondered if this, that's why I wanted you to address this because uh, I'd never heard of that in, in terms of a concept. But I mean, now with the internet, I guess that's something. That oh yeah, it, it is happening. There are there are websites um, that. Uh, pay very minimally now, if at all. Um, there are some websites that actually pay a writer depending upon how many hits the story gets, um, which is not the sort of thing I think that leads to um, intelligent journalism necessarily, because you're going to get a lot more hits if you write something sensationalistic, presumably. Yeah. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to criticize anybody because we're, we're in the Wild West here. I mean, we, no one knows what's going to work. I mean, we have to find some sort of economic model to make journalism viable on the web because, I mean, it's very clear newspapers are, uh, if not dying, they're certainly uh, coughing up blood. Um, so that, that whole economic form is not going to be viable much longer if it is anymore, if it is today. Um, so we need to find other ways of supporting um, journalism on the web. Um, at Miller McCune, as I said, we're a nonprofit. Um, we're hoping and planning to use three different forms of funding um, subscriptions, people buying the magazine, uh, subscribing to the magazine. Um, advertising, of course, both in the magazine and eventually online, and um, grants. Since we are a nonprofit organization, we can apply for grants. Well, I'm certainly, and I, Lauren, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to spread the word about your magazine. I think it's, uh, I like the format. Uh, it's like so you, you're a prof- I mean, seriously, you do have to have. I agree with you. Professionalism, you and 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 writers and authors and editors who are professionals and otherwise I think we're going to I mean there's going to be a lot of problems you know with all this sensationalism and journalism and stuff I think so um, you know we only have one minute left I want to mention the magazine again and you know it was fun talking about hungry men love larger ladies but we had a lot more you had a lot more to say Tom Jacobs Miller McCune it's a research magazine go to it it's online turning research into solutions lots to read about. Uh, We'll have to have you back on the show. Oh, well, thank you. I would enjoy that. It's it's been fun talking with you. It's been great talking to you. Um, Lauren? Yes, what a fun topic. (laughs) 
We're going to say goodbye. I'm Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller-Blake. You've been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, have a great day, and we'll see you next week. today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.